My parents are Arthur and Annie Pope. They're in trouble with the FBI for blowing up a napalm laboratory in 1971. There was a man who was almost killed, a janitor who wasn't supposed to be there. We put Sam on the birthday cakes, on all the birthday cakes, because we change our names every time we move. I've been doing this since I was two. I don't know any other way. At 11 o'clock on October 30th, 1993, River Phoenix walked into the Viper Room with his girlfriend, the actress Samantha Mathis, and two of his siblings, 21-year-old Rain and 18-year-old Joaquin. River was at the time one of the brightest young stars in Hollywood. He'd broken out at 16 in Stand By Me, earned an Oscar nomination at 18 for Running On Empty, and my own private Idaho with Keanu Reeves. Phoenix was immensely talented and almost impossibly handsome. But despite it all, his life was a mess as he struggled with the fallout from childhood traumas that were now manifesting themselves in a horrible drug habit. In fact, for four days leading up to the night at the Viper Room, River was holed up in the elegant Japanese-themed Hotel Nico in Hollywood with his good friend Red Hot Chili Peppers guitarist John Frusciante, binging on cocaine, crack, and heroin, popping Valium, smoking weed, and drinking alcohol. River finally emerged on October 30th because Chili Peppers frontman Flea had invited River who was a pretty good musician in his own right, to join him and a few others on stage at the Viper Room. The Viper Room was and still is housed in a nondescript jet black building on the Sunset Strip in West Hollywood. It has been a music venue since the 1940s when it was a jazz club owned by the notorious LA gangster Mickey Cohen and changed hands a number of times for the next half century before it was bought by the actor Johnny Depp and his business partner Anthony Fox in early 1993. Depp said he wanted to create a club, quote, where famous people could come and not feel like they're on display. Depp named the club the Viper Room after his group of hard-partying friends who nicknamed themselves the Vipers. When River and his group walked into the dimly lit club that night, Flea and Frusciante were already on stage, as was Johnny Depp, who was playing guitar with the duo. River ordered some drinks, and then someone brought out cocaine, which River quickly snorted. Mathis, his girlfriend, was worried. Later saying River was, quote, high in a way that made me feel uncomfortable. He was a ghostly shade of pale as he leaned against a wall for support while watching the band on stage. She implored him to leave the club with her. He refused, saying he didn't want to miss his turn. Mathis then went to the bathroom. When she emerged a few minutes later, she saw a bouncer pushing River and another man out of the side entrance of the club and onto the sidewalk. She thought the men were fighting and rushed towards them to break it up, but when she got outside, she saw River drop to the ground and begin convulsing. The men tried to revive him as Mathis ran back into the club to get Joaquin and Rain. The three then rushed back outside, followed by Flea and Depp. Rain dropped to her knees by her brother's side and began giving him mouth-to-mouth while Rakeen called 911. By the time paramedics arrived, River was not breathing and his heart had stopped. They loaded him into the ambulance. Flea jumped aboard as well, promising to keep everyone apprised. River was rushed to Cedar sinai Hospital, but it was too late. He was pronounced dead on arrival. River Phoenix was 23 years old. I'm Jason Beckerman. I'm Derek Kaufman. This is Last Days, River Phoenix.
The L.A. County coroner confirmed the obvious. River Phoenix had died of cardiac arrest brought on by, quote, acute multiple drug intoxication, concluding that he had eight times the lethal dose of heroin and cocaine in his system. In addition, ephedrine, Valium, and marijuana were also present in his body when he died. River's friends and co-stars would later talk openly about the huge quantities of drugs River would do. The group at the Viper Room that night, Rain and Joaquin Phoenix, Samantha Mathis, Flea, and John Frusciante, all partied with River and saw he was spiraling into hardcore drug addiction. Dan Aykroyd, who starred with River in the 1992 movie Sneakers, and who had watched his own friend John Belushi overdose from the same lethal cocktail of cocaine and heroin 12 years earlier, said he knew of River's profound habit and warned him of the risks of an overdose. Even River's father knew of his son's addictions and tried to get counsel to help him clean up. But for those who did not personally know River, the manner of his death was stunning. Phoenix was famous for his adamant stance on pure living to the point of asceticism. He preached veganism, once even storming out of a dinner date with the actress Martha Plimpton simply because she had ordered seafood. And he spoke openly about the need to limit consumption in order to protect the environment. He gave generously of his time and money to environmental causes, and he was well regarded as one of the most respectful young men in the industry. He was unwaveringly polite. In addition, he abhorred his notoriety and the indulgences of Hollywood, saying he only wanted to leverage his fame to make enough money to develop a big enough platform to preach about social change. He complained of the lack of anonymity brought on by his fame, but viewed it as the price he had to pay in order to do good works. Just two months before he died, in August 1993, River promised his father that once he was done with three movies to which he had already committed, Dark Blood, Interview with a Vampire, and The Man in the Iron Mask, he would give it all up. It's really interesting to look at River Phoenix and, and, and sort of see the apparent contradiction. On the one hand, he's this disciplined ascetic who sort of forgoes a lot of earthly pleasures, doesn't eat meat at all, uh, doesn't wear any sort of leather, gets really offended with people wear leather, leather around him. And on the other hand, he's completely indulgent with his, and very selfish in many ways, with this enormous drug habit. He's got his, his girlfriend, his father, his brothers and sisters, his parents, trying to clean him up. And he's sort of just casting them aside, making no real apparent effort to clean up. He had previously been on a movie set for a couple, a few weeks where the director forced him to remain clean. And all he talked about to those who would listen was, I can't wait to get back to L.A. so I can start this habit again. This wasn't a guy who was interested in living the clean ascetic life that he had sort of preached. Yeah, you know, he exemplified the sort of tormented artist. He was obviously very serious about the craft from the beginning. Yeah. I mean, his early movies, you see him in Stand By Me with other child actors. He's on a different level. He's yeah. doing something different exactly. than them. But he also had, was, I think, sincerely held these beliefs about veganism and the environment kind of ahead of his time on some of those issues. This was the, you know, late 80s and early 90s. Those are now very much in vogue. Uh, but But it was somewhat early on those issues. And, you know, he just was exposed to so much excess so young. And his upbringing, which we'll get into, played a large role in how he was just not able to manage the access he had to drugs and fame and all that brought with it and, and square that with who he was yeah. sincerely inside. I think on that point, Martha Plimpton, the girl he dated, he was actually in, um, uh, he was in uh, Running on Empty with her. She, she was his co-star. Um, she said that he was, quote, a very good-hearted boy who was very fucked up and had no idea how to implement his good intentions. And that is the point you were just raising. He had this crazy upbringing with parents, and there's been a lot of criticism leveled at the parents, and we'll talk about that. Very good reason for this. But he had this really insane upbringing um, that he couldn't ever escape. And I think that, you know, both the hardcore sort of, you know, environmentalism, asceticism, 
was caused by that and also, obviously, the rampant drug use as, as well. Rivers' parents, John and Arlen, were traveling countercultural hippies who had moved their family to Venezuela when River was two to join a Christian cult called the Children of God. The cult, which was founded in 1968 by an American named David Berg, preached, among other things, that sex without boundaries was a form of love. River would later claim that he was frequently sexually abused by various members of the cult starting at age four. He never publicly discussed what role, if any, his parents played in the abuse. Joaquin, for his part, has denied uh, that the Phoenix kids were ever victimized by the cult, though he is a few years younger than River, so it's very possible they had different experiences. The actress Rose McGowan, who also grew up within the Children of God cult, said sex with minors was widely accepted, uh, part of the community, and the Children of God's leadership has been accused in more than a dozen countries of illegal sex with minors. So you put all those things together, and it's hard to reconcile what what, uh, Joaquin had said, which is there was no real sex with minors taking place. It's pretty well established there was, and you obviously have Rivers' statement that, in fact, he was sexually abused from the time he was four on. Yeah, look, it's very complicated. Rose McGowan has had her own issues publicly. Um, You know, Joaquin Phoenix has been able to lead a roughly uh, sort of normal life uh, for all intents and purposes, but he's an odd, eccentric guy. So it's, it's interesting to think about the children of God. It's complicated, though, because it also fostered all of this creativity. When you read about these, these cults, there are certainly abuses that went on with, with, you know, open sexual, you know, conduct all over the place. But it was also a very free and, and, you know, sort of uh, sort of libertine well, great, approach. Great art to comes life. out of great trauma. That is, a tr- is something as old as humanity itself, and, and I think you're you're seeing that here. But it doesn't absolve the parents. It doesn't absolve, you know, certainly not. But don't you wonder whether what makes River and Joaquin so talented is also part of the cult that also messed them up? Yes. Yeah. I, I, and I, I'm not sure that's even, worth I, the trade. I don't even wonder. It's certainly not worth the trade. I don't even wonder. I think it's an absolute. Truism, right? right. The, the the freedom that the parents allowed, the weird hippie lifestyle that they led, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, is certainly the genesis for this immense creativity and talent they showed later on. I think that's right. Let's take a quick ad break, and we'll be back after this. Are you ready to shop? Ragaton's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including Ray-Ban, Good American, and Ulta. Ragaton is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals. During Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th, the cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for apparel and electronics, and you can save on everything you need for the summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Just go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. So the Phoenixes left Venezuela for Mexico when River was just four or five, and from there went to Puerto Rico and then to the mainland U.S., After they left Latin America, dozens of Children of God members were arrested and charged with sex crimes. Nevertheless, as we discussed, the Phoenix family, uh, there's no evidence that they ever specifically committed any crimes, and they continued to proselytize the gospel of the Children of God as they traveled north. 
Once they reached the States, Rivers' parents opted not to send the children to school, instead having them busk on the streets to raise money. It's one other sort of curious aspect of the cult that uh, members are encouraged not to work. They are instead uh, encouraged to seek handouts from others in, in order to live. Yet when we're Yet when River was eight, his mother, knowing full well what a talented and handsome young man her son was, contacted the casting director at Paramount and got him an interview. He landed his first TV show, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, in 1981 at age 11 and worked steadily on TV, commercials, and movies for the next few years before getting his big break in 1986's Stand By Me, playing the wisecracking Chris Chambers, a kid from the wrong side of the tracks desperate for somebody to take him seriously. Maybe you could go into the college courses with me. That'll be the day. Why not? You're smart enough. They won't let me. What do you mean? It's the way that people think of my family in this town. It's the way they think of me. I'm just one of those low-life chambers kids. That's not true. Oh, it is. No one even asked me if I took the milk money that time. I just got a three-day vacation. Did you take it? Yeah, I took it. You knew I took it. Teddy knew I took it. Everyone knew I took it. Even Vern knew it, I think. He's really tremendous in this role. The movie holds up, and it was an enormous hit even at the time. It's a Stephen King adaptation. Still one of his best adaptations, I think, yeah, that ever four y- four young actors in that. He, he River got all the accolades coming out of this. He was the big star coming out of this. None of the others, uh, Corey Feldman uh, aside for a second, none of the actors were really taken seriously as as stars later on. River Phoenix became a household name out of this movie. And was taken seriously as an actor at a very, very young age. His performance was lauded, and from that point forward, he was in the running for simply every big movie that called for a young, handsome male lead. He made 12 movies over the next seven years when he's still a a kid. He's really a kid. With his biggest parts involving his portrayal of troubled characters destined to hardship by their complicated families, which obviously resonated with the young River given his background. You've got Stand By Me with Chris Chambers, which we just gave you a clip of. There was also The Mosquito Coast, in which he played the son of a man who abandons the first world in order to build a utopia in Central America. Obviously, that resonated with a lot of his values. Right. Running on Empty came next, where River earned an Academy Award nomination for his portrayal of a lonely kid trapped in his family's nomadic, off-the-grid life. That's, Sound familiar? That's the clip that we heard at the top, where he, he says his parents you know, uh, blew up this napalm factory, and they lived a life on the lamb for the next decade or so, which which is what he's going through in that movie. Yeah, I mean, he's a tremendously talented kid and has has these natural gifts, but he's also able to draw on his yeah. own experiences to deliver these performances, which are just indelible and, and still famous to this day. And then there's his, his second biggest movie, I think, after Stand By Me, which is My Own Private Idaho, in which River plays a street hustler and prostitute opposite Keanu Reeves, another up-and-comer at the time, desperately searching for a normal life. If I had a normal family and a good upbringing, then I would have been a well-adjusted person. (laughs) Depends on what you call normal. Yeah, it does. Well, you know, normal, like like a mom and a dad and a dog and shit like that. Normal. Normal. So you didn't have a normal dog? No, I didn't have a dog. You didn't have a, a normal dad? Didn't have a dog or 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 a normal dad anyway. 
It's always a mistake to try to confuse actors and the roles they play, but it's impossible not to see the trend here, right? He's he's constantly playing somebody who grew up on the on the run, complicated parents, avoiding the law. It's exactly what he grew up with. It really is. And you know what I see here when when you watch uh, young Keanu Reeves and young River Phoenix on the screen, I you just think of I think of at least Paul Newman and Robert Redford, who had this great sort of um, sort of pairing in, in movies yeah. over over time during the 60s and 70s. These were those guys for the 90s. And we were robbed of that because he died so young in 1993. Those guys could have been sort of the Gen X version of that old guard of Hollywood. And we'll just never get to see it. They really both kind of crackle on screen. They're doing different things. And obviously Keanu has been very successful since. Right. And one role that, that River famously didn't get was for A River Runs Through It. And instead that went to Brad Pitt. Brad was later very critical of his own performance in the movie, saying he ruined Robert Redford's masterpiece, a bit of a harsh criticism, a harsh criticism to himself. He was widely uh, uh, praised for the role, uh, but it did lead to speculation what the role could have become in Rivers' hands. It's impossible to know, of course, but it's a, it's really a great segue into our counterfactual. What happens to River Phoenix if he doesn't die that day on the sidewalk outside of the Viper Room? It's Brad Pitt. I think Brad Pitt is the best sort of example of what his career could have looked like yeah. because you have a very handsome, very charismatic same, relatively guy. Relatively the same age. Similar in age. With real acting chops. I yes. mean, no one says Brad Pitt is just a pretty face. You hear that about George Clooney. You hear that about maybe Even Keanu Reeves, Keanu a, little Reeves bit. Yeah. a little bit. But you don't hear that about Brad Pitt and because he takes challenging roles and he really delivers great performances. He's in Quentin Tarantino movies. River Phoenix would have definitely done a Quentin Tarantino movie or Scorsese movies. He just had that ability as an actor and he was just scratching the surface of it. Right. You know, he's 23 years old when he passes away and he would have had a long arc of his career the, to look kind of like Brad Pitt. The one possible pushback to that is he had committed to his dad just do these three more movies movies and then give it all up. I don't know if that would have happened. He was awfully talented, obviously a man who really enjoyed acting, loved the craft, a kid who loved the craft. But uh, he was a kid of deeply held convictions. Yes. So you, I genuinely a, don't know. That story with Martha Plimpton where he storms out, it's sort of a famous Hollywood lore story where she ordered a piece of seafood and he was such a devout vegan, yeah. he wouldn't even, couldn't even be around her. You think people like that who are so deeply held uh, with their beliefs that maybe he would have given it up, yeah. you know? And, and he would have certainly been rich enough and gone on to do other things. I think you're right, though, that the pull of sort of the ability to do challenging projects and make a lot of money, I think you might have stayed in there. You know, I showed, I was talking to my daughter who has no idea who River Phoenix is. She's much too young, she's 16. And I was telling her, I was reading the script and telling her some of the things we were going to talk about. And she looked him up and she goes, oh my good God, yes. he is really handsome. He's he is, James Dean. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like there's some guys who are handsome throughout the generations. Right. There's no sort of, he looked good in the 40s. You <laughs> right. know, that man is handsome. Right. <laughs> He's going to be handsome right. forever. A few final thoughts on River Phoenix. The Viper Room benefited from the notoriety of his death and became known as a hangout spot for the young Hollywood elite. Adam Durst of the Counting Crows famously tended bar there well after he was famous just because he liked it. And everyone from Courtney Love to The Strokes to Joey Ramone and even Cher used to drink at the bar. Each played on the main stage at least once as well. But the Viper Room remained a hotbed of drug use. In 1995, the actor Jason Donovan suffered a drug-induced seizure at the club. And later that year, Courtney Love survived an overdose after Johnny Depp gave her CPR on the dance floor. In 1997, singer Michael Hutchins played his last public performance at the Viper Room before taking his own life a week later. Anthony Fox, the guy we mentioned earlier who co-owned the Viper Room with Depp, disappeared in 2001 and has never been found. Depp was forced to sell the club in 2004 as part of the settlement with Fox's family. The Children of God founder David Berg was forced into hiding in the early 1970s and died in Portugal in 1994. His wife, Karen Zerbe, took up the mantle and has since overseen the organization, now known as the Family International, which still today boasts over 6,000 members in 50 countries. 
Joaquin Phoenix is often credited his brother for pushing him to be an actor and fought back tears as he dedicated his 2020 acceptance speech for the Oscar for the Joker to his late brother. He claims that when he was 15, River forced him to watch Raging Bull over and over and over again, encouraging Joaquin to be just like De Niro. Rain Phoenix, River's sister who performed Mouth to Mouth on the Sidewalk the night he died, released an album in 2019 called River, in which many of the songs express the gravity of the loss she and her family endured, and we'll give her the last word. The heals my case You turn my dark to gray I'll never be 